earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. <laughs> Brought to you by the power of the Journey into Comics Network. This is the Journey into Comics Podcast. The show that's 100% dedicated to everything nerd. With your hosts, the Podfather, Nate Phillips, the Podmaster, Brandon Stone, and the Journey into Comics Network stepdad, Tyler McLaughlin. Time to make the chibi chunks. Hey! Excellent! Finally. What did you do? And here we go. Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. What's up, True Believers? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. Today, it's Journey into Comics 320. I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me yet again, my friend. One was the loneliest number that I'd ever do, but today, we are rocking in two because T.Y. is back on the show. The pod, God himself, the stepdad of the Journey into Comics network. How are you doing, man? It's good to have you back. I'm doing good. Uh, I survived another work day, and uh, you and I were kind of riffing a little bit ago. I triple booked myself like like four different ways, so that would be like a quad quad overbook. But um, yeah, so today we're doing, we're we're doing it live, like Bill 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 O'Reilly style. We're doing it live. My thing is, is today we're on a time schedule. We both have things going on. We're trying to keep this window very narrow. T.Y. has shit going. I've got shit going. The world has shit going. We're, you know, listen, T.Y. to just swiftly, really quickly kick into what people are really living for. Tomorrow is election day as people are listening to this unless they're watching the live stream on Sunday night. And that means Tuesday's election day. Go out there, vote, vote with your heart, vote for our country. That's all I have to say about that. However... Today we got one big focus, T.Y. I don't have any other liner notes, no topics. There's one thing I wanted to break down and discuss to you because, bro, we finally are at a point where a year later, we are now in the second season of The Mandalorian. And about this time last year, people were getting hyped and geared up to get Disney Plus, to get The Mandalorian. Now we are in the second season. First episode has dropped. First and foremost, what are your rapid reaction to this episode? Because you're like the first person I thought of watching this episode. You you messaged me, so you and um, you and Blaine, I think, got to see it like literal minutes before I got to start it. And you know, my phone's blown up. You guys are like, "Oh my god!" And then you, you fucking you put one sentence in the chat that was like the perfect like amalgamation of my thoughts after watching episode one, this season premiere was 100% nothing but fan service. And, you know, to, to be a little bit more cryptic after I saw it, I put, I, I responded to you and Blaine in the chat 
actually, actually started our own separate chat, so we weren't blowing everybody else up. And I said, I have, as far as like, um, like, like uh, uh, popular media goes, especially something like Star Wars or Marvel. As a fan, I have never felt more validated than I did at the, at the the um, the climax of season two, episode one. That like because final twenty two seconds, man. Uh huh. <clears throat> there's some shit that I've been arguing with people about on the internet since two thousand and two, and it's like, God, and, and it's shit that you and I and 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 you and Brando before before I came on have talked about like at length, where, you know, when um, when Disney acquired Lucasfilm and Star Wars, and they're like, well, uh. All that expanded universe material that everybody liked, yeah, yep, mm -hmm, all that, we're doing away with it. Uh, just pretend it doesn't exist. And um, Disney obviously realizes that they, they've made some mistakes with that, especially with the, the uh, most recent uh, trilogy and the standalone films and whatnot. So could not be happier with how the, the the season started off. Now, you never know. It could go down in flames, but I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case for sure. No, I think this episode, before we actually start to like peel away the layers, because it's going to be a very spoiler-heavy episode if you did not expect us to do anything but peel apart the episode, uh, maybe you should listen after you finished it if you're not there yet. But like this episode shows me right out the gate Disney's house, how serious Disney is to say... We're going to punch you, and we're not going to stop punching. Like, you think this is the only cool thing we're going to get this season? This one reveal was it? You're fucking crazy. There's so much crazy other stuff that we know because of all the casting rumors, people who have been announced to have joined in certain specific roles. We're going to get some amazing characters across the animated universe, across the expanded universe, across the prequel trilogy, across the original trilogy, possibly the sequel trilogy all within this season man they're going for broke because they're showing you guys like and not just us as fans but people who are doubters they're saying look at with the budget we have for a tv show how we can take 52 minutes of your time and captivate you and have you completely left stultified and talking about it that's what they were able to do and other network television gets 26 episodes for a season and they can't do a quarter of that storytelling so I'm very, very hopeful for the future. As far as this episode's concerned, man, I just kind of want to break it down, talk to you about it. Um, what were some of your favorite moments? Man, I'm telling you, uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to pick them out just because there were so many great, like, blink and you miss it moments. You know what I mean? Um, but, I, like, Vanth... And Mando's standoff um, oh. in the cantina is probably like, it, I mean, nail biter, all, sitting on the edge of your seat, seeing Boba Fett's armor for the first time after it's been rumored and rumored and rumored about being rumored about, um, you know, with castings and, I mean, Timmy, Timothy Oliphant fucking brought it. In, in this episode, like Cobb Vanth needs to have his own miniseries. I'm like yes. for it to see. Listen, you tell the story like in more detail of him becoming the marshal. Then you can have a little like one episode callback to Din showing up 
and 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 Moss Pelos and and helping them take out the crate. But then you get to see what happens after he gives up the armor and like that journey. It would be absolutely incredible, and I would be I would be all for it. Uh, I love Timothy Oliphant. I think he is phenomenal at everything he does. A uh, big fan mm-hmm. of uh, if you've ever seen Santa Clarita Diet, it's one of the funniest fucking shows. Yep. Uh, and he, you know, well, look and, uh, at Justified. You know, I would, that's... You were just you took the words out of my mouth. I was just getting ready to say the callback also to their standoff in Justified. I had like mad likes. Oh, mm-hmm. they're giving him this just like beautiful meant for him role that's not really typecast. But it kind of could be considered like subtle typecasting. I think he did a, a fantastic job hitting it out of the park there. Skyler, so Skyler and Ruby and I watched it um, just like we did with season one. You know, we all snuggled into the couch. Juno was there now, so now we've got four people in a two-person couch instead of three people. Um, and it just, you know, the the. Seeing Boba Fett's armor, um, even before the reveal, later on in the in the uh, in the episode, and you know, even before like the crate dragon shows up, and like just seeing it, you know, I, I said I've never felt more validation, but that armor was such a such a part of my childhood and 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 it's you know boba fett's always been the most mysterious character in star wars and and there's this cult fan like this cult following of boba fett and you know we have this show uh and the phenomenon that is the mandalorian because of that armor 100 percent. we would if if boba fett if boba fett didn't exist you know we would have never got the the incredible Mandalorian stuff that takes place in the Clone Wars and in Rebels and you know there there is so much that has been added to Star Wars because of that armor and you know especially with season one there were so many rumors of did we actually see Boba Fett down uh, you know when they were underground in the covert and stuff like that and like it just everything you know there was a lot of episodes in season one as you and I went through it, that we said, you know what? The writing was great here, but the acting was poor. Or the next episode, the, the acting was all phenomenal. The The visual effects were great, but the, the writing could have been a little bit better, you know? And fucking season two, episode one, it's just, to me, it's almost flawless. Because it starts out with the typical shady or shady bar on a you know a backwater planet that nobody talks about and there's there's a gangster you know that the first you know 10 minutes or so of the of the episode it made me feel like i was watching scenes from from solo because of the way that the lighting was and and the visual effects and and you know once you i didn't think that we were going to get to go back to tatooine especially so fast yeah, like an immediate um, return trip. Now, I will say in that first scene, yeah. the first scene alone had so many Easter eggs and different, you know, races from the the different cultures of Star Wars. You had a Twilight, a Twi'lek opening, the answering the door. Uh, John Leguizamo's character, the one-eyed Cyclops guy, was in the bar in the cantina in the original. Not the same guy, but same species. Yet, obviously, Gamorreans fighting in the ring, which was incredible to watch. A that little, was great. Yeah. That, oh man, th- that was some really fun shit. And then the whole like him saying like. 
I can guarantee the one Gamorrean's going to die first, and you're just like, oh, I wonder what shady shit's about to happen. And then it kind of just crashes down on Mando, and he's like... <sighs> and I, my favorite part of that scene, this is kind of like right out the gate what got me, is the Yoda moment. Baby Yoda, the child, he kind of just like looks, he makes this kind of like, eh... Puts his hood up like I got to stay safe and shielded like I know the drill. It's about to get fucking real crazy in these parts. And and it definitely uh, delivered uh, in that respect. Well, and the great thing, too, you know, obviously this this season is focusing on um, the child and and Den Djarin's relationship. And, you know, now there's an actual goal other than making sure that it's safe. It's to get it back to its kind. I really, really appreciate that, you know, even though that is the overall plot, Baby Yoda was not the 100% sole focus of this episode. And as the episode progressed, they actually almost kind of get forgotten about. You know, He was very ancillary in this episode. A, mm-hmm. Which, which I, actually, I actually really, really enjoyed. Because the little moments that that they popped up as the as the episode progressed made it feel um, like not over overly forced. You know, I can't turn, I can't open my any social media or go to the to Meyer or Walmart or Target or you know or open Amazon without seeing something uh, related to the child. You know, a Funko Pop or you know, Ruby has like a. a like a, right a to scale almost doll of the child, you know. They're like super so dope like plushy they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, no, this one's not. Uh, it's got the plastic head and like the oh, like the doll like body. So this, yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to not see it everywhere we go. So you know, they they just killed it. You know, there's a lot of people like reading online that are confused on. Uh, like the the design of the crate dragon, and you know it's a the crate dragon itself is a callback to so many different things, expanded universe material, um, you know the Knights of Kotar, Knights of the Old Republic, the Thank video you. game you got to fight one in there, uh, and then you know all the way back to A New Hope when C three PO and R two are are cooking around the Dune Sea, that skeleton that three PO walks by, that's a skeleton of a crate dragon. Hundred percent. So, I thought, you know, obviously it's all CGI and whatnot, but I thought that the design of the crate was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I mean, what's your thoughts? I loved the crate dragon size and scale. They did a really great job of really making you feel the, um, the scope of the crate dragon in the moment. You know, to continue on through, uh. Through the episode, you know, we had the moment where he he essentially gets the information that was a Moss Pelos, I think is what they call it, is where Pelgos. Pelgos, thank you. I knew I was going to mispronounce it. I expected it even when I was watching the episode. I was like, I'm going to fuck this one up, guys. Just be ready. <laughs> Just be prepared for me to jack this one up. So, anyways, Lost Pelgos, you know, uh, he gets there and he goes to the bar and he goes, you know, have you seen anybody who looks like what I look like? And he's like, oh yeah. Marshall, and you're just like, oh, this is about to set off. And I think one thing that immediately set it apart, and I, and I promise this will circle back to the whole crate dragon thing, is that uh, Tim Oliphant's character 
Cobb Vanth immediately takes the helmet off. There's no hesitation. Yep. We've been trained in the first season that Mandalorians don't take their helmets off. This guy in an instant. But then to 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 double down on how the quality of writing is for this episode, he immediately addresses it. I have never met one of you, uh, not a real Mandalorian anyways, and then they start talking about it, and then he learns about how you acquired the armor and all this. And then you get the moment with the crate Dragon that comes through and disrupts the entire town. And it is felt. It's a very epic moment when you're really sitting there considering how they how they shot it. This It rolled through the whole fucking town. I mean, it was massive. And then when you actually get to see it, that's where the payoff of the whole thing is. When you really get to see it large and in charge coming out of the cave and everything, it's a very powerful moment where you're like, you know, let's again not forget that, sure, Mandalorians are epic beings who have these, like, great abilities from training and, and discipline. But there are still very large creatures that exist in this universe that could just fuck them up in an instant if they're not careful. And I think that played really well into the story. And then, uh, you know, to double circle back to the whole child thing. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, the the reveal of the crate dragon, you know, when it comes into town and, you know, when it comes out of the cave, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in between there that I'm sure that we're going to touch on. But it's almost a very Jaws-esque, we're going to need a bigger boat. You know, like... They see you get the reveal of the crate dragon, then it's like we're okay, gonna need a bigger let's bantha. Take quick, <laughs> quick, let's take a quick timeout because we have fucked up. Uh, it was at, at so, this exact moment, Dinjara knew he had fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but um, you you know you you are right. There are so many moments in between those two moments, but just to like speak on the the because that's the crate dragon story is so epic because you are right. They realize this being is so much larger, you know, Den tries to attack it from the whole plan of like, I'll just fly above it. I'll just fucking be in the ship and just shoot that some bitch. And Cobb's like, come on, dude, don't be such an amateur. The vibrations, he's going to hear it and he's not going to want to come out. And it's drama. But then one thing I really loved about, well, two things. We got another cool Easter egg when we go to actually uh, the cave of the of the uh, crate dragon because of the vehicle that Cobb is driving which we need to touch on and 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 just mm-hmm. how look okay again brilliant writing hey Cobb's got to drive something from point a to point b what kind of vehicle should it be i don't know it could be a modified fucking speed racer engine that maybe specifically is exactly anakin's come on man mm-hmm. like did you, how how yeah, much did you mark sw- out he built a swoop <laughs> he built a swoop out of the the fucking turbine from anakin skywalker's pod racer how much more fan service can you get like I said, it just very brilliantly says, look, the, the <laughs> prequel trilogy, we care about the prequel trilogy and we didn't give up on it. Even if it's not, you know, maybe the greatest thing of all time, it still does have importance to the story we are trying to tell. So let's pay it off and let's validate that some more. And I thought that was very brilliantly done. Now, one thing I thought was very clever is the reveal of um, Den being able to speak in Tuscan. Well, didn't we get that in season one? I, see, I honestly cannot remember. So if that is a fact that's already yeah, been we discovered. We, we we did get that in season one because remember um, when when him and the kid from Tatooine went to take the bounty? That's right. And they got stopped. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so, yeah. so uh, okay, even better that they call back to his ability to talk to Tuscans. 
and he calms mm-hmm. down. I don't know what those hyena type dog fucking creatures are. Maybe you know more from the lore what exactly that was, but they were uh, very pissed I have off. Name on the tip of my tongue. Uh, He's just gonna go do some R and D about it. But no, you know he talks the these animals into massives. being massives to being very friendly. Starts like a lizard dog. Petting them, they become very cool, and then boom, out come some Tuscan Raiders. And uh, I really loved this kind of like forced alliance that we kind of had to get to see play off. What were your thoughts on the fire scene when they're around the fire pit all talking and there's this kind of real built tension from uh, I think Cobb has a very specific vision on what he thinks the Raiders are about and the Tuscans are just their own thing that try to stay the fuck away from people. That that scene in in particular is a really really good sample size of a lot of different things of you know um man what's the word like class systems and like social commentary on america as a whole you know that's that's getting real deep with it but and then you break it down a little bit farther and then it is um native the native peoples of north america and how they were forced uh, off know, of their colonizers. land yeah so there there's that and then you break it down a little bit deeper and then it's it's uh particularly the american indians american indians of the west and how they interacted with settlers and you know the typical uh magnificent seven man with no name fucking western movies you know, all the, the the Navajo and the Comanches and the Apaches, they're all these fucking warrior people that are there just to murder and, and, and rape and scalp the, the white people. And Star Wars, especially like Tatooine, does a really good job of of taking those stereotypes and those tropes and saying uh, when you really break it down and you go one layer further – the Tuscans are just people trying to survive out in the desert. And if you are one of those people like me that, that read a lot of the expanded universe stuff, you know, Kai the Jedi master spent a lot of time with the Tuscans on Tatooine and was actually accepted by them. And, you know, they have this complex, uh, you know, like like a lot of the American Indian tribes, they have this complex culture that's not they're not savages, you know. And if you look at any of the, you know, in the prequel trilogies in in A New Hope, if you look at how the people living like on the edge of the Dune Sea interact with the Tuscans, they think that they're just fucking murderers. And then if you look at it from the other way, the Tuscans just see everyone else as stealing their water and their their availability to food and all that and that one scene fucking like you could not get a better representation of all the expanded universe stuff all the prequel trilogy stuff a new hope all of that in one in one nice little package with a bow wrapped around it and Um, i I think again timothy oliphant's character nails it Oh, totally. I think that one thing that was really special about that scene is we're kind of built to believe what you're told about Tusken Raiders. You know, they are these savage creatures. You think about seeing them in A New Hope and how they interact with with Luke and and Obi-Wan, for that matter. But, like, yeah, exactly. You know, that whole thing. But uh, So 
they are really these very, 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 I don't know the words I'm looking for here, but my point is, is that we are so trained that when you're in the situation that you're in around the fire pit, when you're watching it, the tension they built, did you feel like that was going to pop off at some point and there was going to be some, some, some bloodshed mm -hmm. between the Alliance because Absolutely. we're led to believe that, but look what they showed us. Look what they showed us just to further talk about what you're talking about. Communication is key. Talk mm -hmm. through your problems. Talk it out. They said, look, here, we both have the same issue, Crate Dragon. We both could not take this on alone. But if we all use our resources, and here's to shout out to you, Brian K. Morris, rising tides raising all ships because they all collectively fought for the bigger good. And I loved... I loved the battling, like the the going into battle with them and the long caravan of everybody going to to fight the crate dragon. It had this very epic, just like deep feel. Also, shout out, we got Pelimoto back, right? Her name is Pelimoto. Mm -hmm. The the dro pit droid lady, the mechanic. Yeah, she's yeah. she's the shit. Yeah, I she's love great. Her. Yeah, and and her response One to thing, like, oh know, I, yes, the child's with you still, like. I really, I really hope that that they that Disney capitalizes on and and sets this precedent that characters characters that they create matter and will continue to show up. You know, they very easily in season one, excuse me, very easily could have showed us Cara Dune one time in that in that first in her appearance, and then never brought her back again. You know, you know, Star Wars is is notorious for that. Here's this one character that we that that looks really cool. You'll never see him again. Uh, in Force Awakens, when they go to Maz's castle, uh, there's a bounty hunter that's uh, dressed in all like all red armor. Mm -hmm. His name is Sedan Itano. I've got his Funko Pop over on my shelf. We'll never see that character again. There, there is a a like. I've read a lot about him. There's a like a deep lore and there's a lot of backstory. Someone wrote all of that for no reason because we'll never see him again. And then all these supporting characters for the Mandalorian, it's like, you know, obviously Quill was was very important for season one, but they very easily could have gave us Quill, you know, in that in that first episode or that second episode, and then never saw him again. So I don't I uh, she's great. I I hope I hope they keep doing it. Yeah, I uh, I want to talk about just a little bit now that we are we're we're moving into the episode deeper. We did get to the point where we're gonna battle the crate dragon, and they had some plans. They're gonna use banthas to blow it up, and and had all these different I you know um, thoughts of how they were gonna make it happen. And I loved that there was. Really quality coordination, even when everything went wrong. Like, they still figured out and managed mm -hmm. the situation, even though everything went wrong. And uh, let's just talk about also how the child did not intervene. It's important that this time, mm -hmm. Den did it himself. He he, he helped. Well, he, I mean, he did, let's not say he did it himself. That's uh, misspeaking on all the Tuscans that died in the making of this episode. Uh, because there were several, but he single-handedly figures out the solution to ensure without question that the crate dragon has the bomb inside of him so that they can detonate. 
And it was super clever how he utilized the giant fucking staff thing motherfucking guy that he has to, like, essentially he was just, like, tasing the thing from the inside so it wouldn't start swallowing in and actually digesting him. And then he came back through, which was fucking super killer, and they, bam, hit the uh, hit the good old uh, detonator. Uh, I feel like Cobb Vanth and everything this episode has is definitely, like, if we look at how they structured season one, they're going to call this is almost like the IG 88 all over or IG 11, I guess all over again, where mm-hmm. Cobb's going to have another role somewhere. It might not be as pivotal as the finale, but he's going to show up again, like you said, and have, and have, have something to do with it. Uh, well, especially because, you know, towards the end of the episode, when they're saying their goodbyes, he says, I hope to see you again. Um, you know, because like they went through some shit together, just like, Kara and Din went through some shit together. So who's to say that that Cobb doesn't become a more pivotal character? Who's to say that we don't keep going back to Tatooine? I mean, we've been to Tatooine more times in two seasons of of um or as many times in two seasons of a TV show that we have in almost 50 years of of movies. So why not? You know, it's a great it's a great setting for a lot of sh- you can do a lot of shit with Tatooine. Well, yeah, and then there's still you know the big uh, shadow of Moff Gideon out there, and and what is he gonna mm-hmm. bring when this all comes crashing down? Because you know it's not over yet. This is this is all far from over, and technically, Den doesn't know that he's still alive. In his mind, he blew up in the ship. Right. So, uh, I want to talk. Real quick, there was a little subtle Easter egg callback to the Boba Fett toy of the 70s. Uh, The rocket blaster Boba Fett that shot the rocket. Yep, you got it. And and he actually did what you would had to have do had to have done in order to shoot that exact action figure bent at the waist down to shoot it he didn't just stand still and it go up and down he had to pivot himself like the toy which i thought was a very lovely subtle little sprinkling callback and it's something we never saw boba use ever so um the only the only time in the movies that we saw a mandalorian shoot a missile was jango fett in attack of the clones so not too much later he lost his head Mm-hmm. Would you change that decision just quickly? Would you change the decision to behead Django if you could? Do you think they should have kept him yes. for more? Yes. See, I, I've always thought that there's, he was one so, of those like killed too soon. Yeah, there's there's so many there's so many things. Well, as as we see right now, like you know the the the. Man, it's it's hard it's hard to to like blurt it all out at once. The casting of Django Fett and now Boba Fett is perfect. The the design of the character was fantastic. The video game that that was the prequel to his role in the Clone Wars, fantastic. Added a lot of depth to the character. PS2 the Boba Fett universe stuff. Mm-hmm. The the. Uh, comic books uh like uh, all the shit that related to Django Fett and the Mandalorians at that time were all all fantastic they were all there was there's was a lot there and again like i said earlier we have 
all of that to th- we have Boba Fett to thank for all of that. And there's a point that I think we need to touch on that we talked about a lot as a group uh, during season one about Boba Fett not be- Boba and Django not being Mandalorians. This episode basically has made that irrelevant because we don't care if Boba and Django were Mandalorians anymore. All that we care about is that they were wearing Mandalorian armor. And Din has now set the precedent that if he sees anyone wearing it who is not, he, he like, X gonna give it to you, Din gonna take it from you. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, we're going to need a bigger Bantha and Den going to take it from you are up there for top two for episode mm-hmm. title. Now I'm like, I'm torn. That's Den going to take it from you. Shit, that is <laughs> goddamn good. Oh, man. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, to, to circle back, because we, we haven't actually even touched on the reveal, you know, the last 30 seconds of the episode is the spin around of a looming character who looks like a very pissed off shredder from Ninja Turtles who just got out of the fucking dumpster. But it's not. It's motherfucking angry ass looking Boba Fett for real. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say that he's. Well, I mean, he's menacing for sure. Menacing. Um, thank you. He, he, he looks. Uh, he looks like he's in a lot of pain because that fucker escaped the Sarlacc pit, and my my adult life, I've finally been validated. And you know what? It doesn't look out. like he's pretty either. He's got some scars to show he fought out of his way of the Sarlacc pit and lost his armor. And, you know, maybe the Sarlacc couldn't digest the armor, so it spit it back out where Jaw was found it, where eventually the Jaw was sold it. And we saw that scene as well to Timothy Oliphant's, uh, you know, character. He found the the thing after gems that the, he stole from the mining thugs yep and he uh traded it to the jawas which was again you get to see the the cruiser again the land cruiser which was uh, i don't remember what that damn thing is called but i love it um, sand crawler sand crawler sand crawler it's pretty obvious because it crawls upon the sand <laughs> But uh, no, man, I love this episode, and I'm just curious what we're going to get out of the rest of the season. Obviously, we're not going to have to wait too long because at this time next week, we will have a second one under our belt. We also might have a new president. Who knows how that's going to play out? We'll talk about it eventually, I'm sure. But I want to ask you this question still within the Mandalorian stuff. What do you see Boba's role being in this season? Is he on a vision quest to get that armor back, or does he have some other plan? I would imagine just personally let's let's go back in time to season 1 when the jaw was annihilated the razor crest. Sure. Din immediately fucking sought vengeance. Like again, Din going to take it from you. <laughs> I'm going to get my shit back. Uh I would imagine again Boba Fett being Mandalorian or just wearing the armor, I think that's totally irrelevant. He is is an older fella now. Um, he has worn that armor for a very long time, and that armor has made him a shit pile of money or credits. So the fact that he is like didn't immediately go after it uh, could mean a lot of things. It could mean very much like Obi Wan that he just wants to move on from it uh, and. 
He wants to be someone who's not the bounty hunter. It could mean that he didn't know where it was at. You know, the Jawas could have found him almost dead outside the Sarlacc pit, took it from him, and then fucking, see you later. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be a lot of things. I really hope, honestly, well, two things. One, if we never saw Boba Fett again for the rest of the season, totally okay with me. I've been validated. He exists. He's alive. Disney has course corrected and realized that they made a mistake by not by not establishing canonically whether he's alive or dead. There is something that I, I've got pulled up here that I want to touch on real quick. Let me scroll to it. Uh, I read this this afternoon. Uh, this is from the 23rd. Disney and Lucasfilm have a new Boba Fett uh, trademark filing. Ooh. This is from the the 23rd of October. So, you know, this is something that that went through that nobody that that wasn't relevant until um the episode came out, but it says goods and there's a bunch of codes and then fiction books. Uh blank journals, binders, clipboards, posters, notebooks, trading cards first use and first use in common or commerce. So this is a trademark filing for a lot of stuff. I would imagine we're going to get a lot of Boba Fett merch, possibly uh, like another revival of Boba Fett merch pop, possibly like Funko pops and shit, a big wave of them. Like we got with the Mandalorian season one. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm very optimistic about the character, but like I said, I could be totally just satisfied if we get what we got. What what do you think? My my first thought was okay, so he's on a vision quest to find his armor, which leads him back to Mos Pelgos. But he watches what unfolds with the crate dragon. Maybe the crate dragon was mm-hmm. a problem he also had, and he sees a real Mandalorian. Now this is something interesting to Boba because we can't confirm or deny, you know, whether or not he has been you know, officially, you know, we don't know if he's officially ever been with real Mandalorians. He does have the armor, but we don't know what his history is. Maybe he thinks that Din is going to lead him to more Mandalorians. And he's not as concerned now about the armor as he is about like, hey, and now a even bigger question. Do we, will we, could we possibly see the mo fucking slave one it still exists in the world somewhere it has to i don't think it was junked or i mean they've never shown it be destroyed so i'm just saying it has to hmm i got it my body craves it it's brondo i crave it <laughs> electrolytes what plants the crave one- it, it, it has electrolytes, bro. I crave it. <laughs> no, you're stupid. <laughs> I, I love that fucking dumb movie, Idiocracy. <sighs> Until I realized that we're living in that dumb movie, yeah. Idiocracy. But I digress. Anyways, T.Y., uh, what are your final thoughts on this episode? Let's kind of do a little quick ranking. Give a shout-out to Rank Them All, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll be hearing from them real soon. Uh, what did you think on this episode? If you give it out of five stars... Five out of five. 
Man, see, I was right along with you. I didn't want to be like all hype, but it brought it. It gave Easter eggs. It had validation to lore. It gave you backstory for characters. It introduced new characters that were enjoyable. I want Cobb to meet Kara. Like Cobb, Kara, and Din doing a mission, those three would be fucking hilarious. Could you imagine, you know, um oh, and Reef, Reef Cargus would oh. be I, I really hope that he's a, a, a um Carl a Weathers character yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, because Carl Weathers is Carl Weathers, man. Hell yeah. Gotta just great. Mando. Somebody did like a two minute and fifty eight second supercut of all the times he says Mando. He said Mando. In the in the it's Mando, Mando, Mando. Hey Mando, Mando. <laughs> it's funny as shit, dude. Oh, it's great. But uh I like I said, I told you guys it's probably gonna be a little bit of a shorty this week, but I don't really have anything else that pressing to talk about unless you do. I mean um there, there is, there is one, one final thing that I want to touch on. How did you feel about the runtime? It was, it was, uh, like fifty four minutes and, and twenty three seconds, something like that. Yes, I thought that it was perfect. Well, again, and this is showing you, like, look, they just did almost double the length of an episode of the first season, and it didn't feel longer. It went just as quickly. I enjoyed it even more. Give me our episodes every week, and I'm about it. And, and, I mean, hopefully that doesn't burn them out of telling story, but I feel like it just gives them a little bit of a chance to slow down just a skosh and really tell the story they want to tell and not have to feel like they rush through it. Because that first season kind of moves and grooves pretty quick. They're on – it is a, it, essentially mm-hmm. don't look at season one as like – it's a full season of everything they're going to do. It's like a pilot season. Like this is a test run for what any Disney plus yeah. show could be. And now they know, mm-hmm. Oh, fans are willing to interact at this length of time and watch it and, and don't turn it off. And, you know, we have this much reaction on the, you know, social medias. They are dialing it in the best. I think they can and actually listening. And especially in this time, it's really great to see some real entertainment. We got to talk some real entertainment today, bro. Like, that's right. Oh, I craved it. It was yeah, so I took, good. <laughs> I took Ruby to see Hocus Pocus Friday night, and I felt like I was at the premiere of like an Oscar-winning movie because she clapped at the end of it. But uh, that's yeah, that's awesome. been like the extent. That's been the extent of my entertainment like the last three months is <clears throat> watching like a a thirty-year-old movie in a, a movie theater with no one else in it. And it's just <laughs> you guys. Uh, there was like one small family in each row of the theater, but nobody was directly like on top of or, or next to each other. It was really nice actually. Yeah. That's gotta be great. Again, I hope, I hope social distancing continues. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless of if there's ever a pandemic again, keep social distancing. You stay the sick. I will say we're kind of doing this backwards because now we're having like the, the pre-show talk at the end, which I'm okay with. That's fine by me. We're just doing it out or this week, but like, uh, I was at the store the other day, yesterday, actually, and a fucking dude ran into me in line. And I got big mad because, like, how do you do that in 2020 with social distancing? And he did it more than once. So, like, I keep shooting the fucking look back. Like, mother, motherfucker. Get the fu-. And I've also got my mask on so he can't see my. I'm just like, you motherfucker. You know? But then his daughter had to be like, hey, dad, you got social distance, man. What are you doing? keep running into this guy 
And I just like sat there validated like, yep, I'm glad somebody else told him because I was like getting ready yeah. to kind of go to war <laughs> with this fucking clown for bumping into me. It shouldn't I should not feel you upon me. Jesus. <laughs> it should not be oh, a thing. Man, 2020 sucks. It does. The whole world is going to shit in a, in a shell. Uh, I don't think that's a saying, but I'm going to say it. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) shit in a shell fuck it shit in a she shell Ooh, i like that um but i think that's gonna do it for this week so before we get out of here as always i'll do the rundown of where you can check out journey into comics podcast obviously check us out at journeyintocomics.com we are the flagship show the journey into comics network get us here every monday or sunday if you're watching on the live feed again we appreciate you checking us out also on youtube Check us out there. Make sure to go to Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcast, YouTube, and Amazon Music for Journey into Comics Network. Just search Journey into Comics Network on all those different platforms. You will find us there. But I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. It's been JIC 320. Dan going to take it from you. I've been Nate. <laughs> I've been T.Y. And as always, pop your Mandalorian helmets off and fill your brains. Oh, we, don't, we don't do that. With Bantha shit. <laughs> Later, that's a big shit. <laughs> Later, guys.